The year-to-date return on the REIT ETF we use is 27.88%. It's got a 3.29% net dividend yield every single year. And I'm using my cash flow strategies to make an extra 12% a year on my holding. So it's like, why do I want to do anything else? Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. So Ready to Scale is our new second season here where we focus on the business side of real estate and we're going to talk about asset process and strategy. That's the APS of real estate. So if you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to rate us. It's very important for us. And you can also find me on social media as well and have access to the podcast. Okay, so this month I'm giving away an acquisitions manager spreadsheet that lays out the stages in the acquisitions process and will help you track all the deals you have in your pipeline. The spreadsheet also contains information about the brokerage firms my company Blue Lake sources deals from. So with the spreadsheet, I'm also adding the acquisitions process guide to walk you through the different internal acquisition steps. So use both documents for better results. You can customize the Excel spreadsheet, but it's a great template to use in the acquisition process. That's the same one that I'm using myself. You can find the documents at www.elliepearlman.com resources. So our guest today is Minesh Bindi. He started actually negotiating and selling real estate at 16 years old. Together with his father, he pioneered a unique no money down real estate transaction process in the UK. He went on to help investors purchase property worth over 20 million pounds with his strategy. So since then, Minesh has built an extraordinary career for himself as a high net worth individual investment consultant and advisor to specialized investment vehicles focused on investment in gold and silver backed securities, equities, and real estate. At the age of 23, he shared a stage with Sir Richard Branson and has spoken around the world from Hawaii to New Zealand. Welcome to the show, Minesh. I'm really, really excited to have you here today. My honor. Thank you very much. You're calling today. You're recording from... London. I'm in London. I'm back home in London. The best city on earth, I might add. (laughs) Well, it's definitely a great city. How long have you been living there? My whole life, born and raised in London. Ah, interesting. All right. So you're in London right now, and I think your background is really interesting. You started investing when you were 16 years old. How did that go? Well, I started, I didn't actually start investing when I was 16. I started negotiating real estate. So my dad was involved in that. And 
you can say that I had in some areas of my life an unordinary amount of confidence in the sense that I saw him negotiating a deal and I stood by the door when I was 15 years old and I just sort of laughed when he got off the phone and he's already laughing at me. I said, I could do this. Sounds so, so, so easy. And luckily, instead of telling me to, you know, screw off and he told me, all right, well, show me. And at that point, you know, you you have to take that big gulp of realizing, oh my God, I think I've just overcommitted than I, than I should have. But that led to one thing to another and I just sort of figured it out. I started learning how to talk to real estate managers, how to talk to property developers, what they needed, what the clients needed, what the lawyers needed, what the mortgage brokers needed. So I was talking to mortgage brokers between like school breaks and things like that when I was that age and learning about, you know, how do you structure deals so that they make sense for all parties. So that's how I started. Nice. And today, so you started, you know, doing that, but today you're also, you ventured to gold and silver backed securities and equities and real estate. So you basically, you're, you're involved in all types of, you know, investments. So for those who don't really know how it works, can you briefly describe how gold and silver backed securities work? Yeah, it's very simple. There are innovations in the investment space that are called ETFs, exchange traded funds. And High, very high net worth individuals have known about these and now more normal people are learning to know about them because the hedge funds have done a very, very good job at making investment management, your own investment management, feel complicated. And what most people don't realize is through the power of ETFs and through the power of exchange-traded funds, you can actually take back control of your wealth in the same way and probably generate a better return than any asset manager out there for you anyway. And so how these funds work is very, very simple. You are going to, it's like buying a stock. You're going to go buy the stock and the fund gets all the money for all the people that have bought stock in this fund and they go and purchase the physical asset that's underlying the value of the fund. So the physical asset in this scenario is gold or silver. And then the value of that fund and the value of each share goes up and down based on obviously the value of the assets that are in that fund, which is gold and silver. Very simple. Got it. So, and besides the obvious, you know, difference between them that on one hand, you have gold and silver versus real estate, you actually purchase a property, a building, you know, office center, whatever it is. What are the main differences between dealing with gold and silver, you know, backed securities and dealing with real estate? Well, now not so much, because obviously I use, for me anyway, I use REITs, which we'll touch over in a second. But the main real difference between gold and silver and real estate, at least gold and silver, the way I do it, is it's become more like real estate. Because when I put $50,000 into gold and silver, I'm buying something that is worth $50,000. Unlike the old way of buying gold and silver, which is my first deal that I did where I bought my first amount of gold and silver back in 2009. I bought 50 grand and I brought it to the bullion dealer and I walked away with net $35,000 worth of real gold because there's a premium on the gold and silver when you buy the physical. So I just paid for someone's car, right? With my wealth, I handed over 50 grand and I got back 35 in real terms. So now my $35,000 worth of gold has to go up 15,000 just for me to break even. And that's a problem. You don't get that in real estate unless you just negotiate a stupid deal, right? You're in a lot more control with real estate than you are with gold and silver in most cases. The way we do it now with gold and silver for life, you are buying gold and silver and, you know, for example, you put in 50 grand worth of 
try and buy 50 grand's worth of gold and silver and you're actually getting $49,500 worth of gold and silver. Right? And then on top of that, for every 50 grand I do put into gold and silver, I get a passive cash flow income now of $6,000 to $13,200 a year with some of the cash flow strategies that we use. So it's a much more similar investment to real estate, which is why a lot of our clients are real estate investors too. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually expected you to have a completely different answer. So that's good. I'm, I'm learning and I'm sure, you know, the listeners are learning as well. So I understand that they're different, but they're also very similar. And when it comes to real estate, do you have any specific type of asset class that you like to invest more than others or you prefer diversity? My, I prefer diversity, but I also prefer my key is not doing it yourself. I think you should have a certain amount of your portfolio that is absolutely physical, that includes gold and that includes real estate. However, after a certain point, it becomes inefficient. Most people, I don't believe, most people are not like how I was when I was 16. Most people didn't want to go and negotiate buildings and buildings and buildings, right? They don't want to do that. Most normal people just want security, they want freedom, and they want their money to grow while they focus on the more important things in life. Because only not cases like us are focused on, I want to buy as many properties as I can, right? Most normal people just want a life where they can have freedom, they can have security, and they can still focus on the things that they want to do in life. So after 2008 and that market crash, I sort of learned after working with so many clients what was actually important. Rather than trying to force an idea onto clients, I just realized like most people don't want what I wanted. Most people weren't 16 and figuring out how to negotiate real estate deals, right? Most people didn't, you know, just didn't do that path and they don't want to do that path and there's no reason why they should do that path, right? So I now use REITs and I now use ETFs to allow me to hire managers that are the best managers in the world to go find properties, to invest in properties. You know, the fund that we use with REITs, for example, is a $66 billion fund. So I put my money into that. And now I have the negotiating power of $66 billion. Do you think they're going to get a better deal than I'm going to get? Of course, right? And more, more on top of that, they're now owning real estate in commercial, residential, you know, all the different types of asset classes that there are in real estate. That's the one thing people get very confused. I think for normal people, the safest, you know, the safest real estate strategy to use is like single family homes, right? In generally speaking, that is the safest for normal people. However, if you, one of the biggest risks that I found in real estate was that you can go and buy property, single family homes or not, whatever you want to do, go buy property in areas that are dependent on one particular company having a factory in that area. And this is more common in the US than it is in, in the UK. However, I still went through it myself, right? You, you'll go buy a portfolio, you'll go buy a, you know, 10 properties, 15 properties in an area where if this one company shuts down, there is no demand for the real estate, right? Exactly. And so I like buying in prime, prime real estate, where there's always going to be demand. I like those types of real estate projects. And anything outside of that, I'm looking at the ETFs that know these managers are nerds. Their daily job is to sit there and figure out how to squeeze every penny out of that property portfolio because that's what I want. I want my money working for me. I don't want to be working for my money. And I, and I strongly believe that most people, if they're not using some of the smartest strategies and they're just, you know, 
someone told them I need to get into real estate, so they get into real estate. I believe if they factored in how much they believe their every hour is worth, that real estate profit is actually at a negative every single year. Most people are only making money because they don't factor in the amount of hours they spend in it. And what yeah. I wanted to do was allow someone to manage their whole portfolio from one of these. If these can innovate... And you say, the, you say these, you're holding your iPhone. Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm, we're on video right now. I forgot <laughs> this is an audio podcast. <laughs> I'm holding my iPhone right now, which is the best phone in the world, by the way. Sorry, Samsung. I but, you know, I wanted people to manage a portfolio, an overall portfolio, from a phone, from an iPhone, because that allows you the freedom. That's what we do this for. Most people get into real estate. They're not getting into real estate going, you know what? I think I want a second job. I think I want a second job with all this money I'm making. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and take the, you know, the eight hours a day that I have free and go dump them into going to look at real estate. I don't think most people get into real estate with that dream. That's just well, my yeah, it's, it's the, You're right. And there's nothing passive about it when investors think, you know, oh, it's a you know, it's passive investment. There's nothing passive about it. If you are actively negotiating, looking for deals, managing the assets, it's way more complicated and time consuming than a full-time job because yep. things happened way before 9am and past 5pm for sure. So you'll yep. be picking up, you know, calls in the middle of the night. And so it's really, I think you're really onto something here to kind of understand if someone wants to be involved, that's fine, but they need to understand what they're, you know, what they're committing to. And so we started talking about REITs. We kind of ventured into the strategy. And I want to take, you know, a step back and ask about REITs because you mentioned that earlier. How does a REIT work? And how do you basically approach it and, and qualify REITs before you invest in them? Okay, so there are two levels to it, and I like to stick at the safest level. My, everything that we do is about making safe investing exciting. That's my goal. After 2008, I don't want to be involved in anything that requires risk for the normal person. And so, you know, the company's called Perfect Portfolio, and there's a reason behind that, right? Our job is to make safe investing absolutely exciting for people. So there's two sides to REITs. There is the REIT, which is a real estate investment trust. And how that works is it's exactly like what I said, a company, a property manager that goes and buys property. And I, as an investor, say, here's my, you know, million dollars. And now they have capital and now they go buy property. And there's all kinds of different REITs focused on very different areas. So you've got REITs that are focused on commercial property in New York, for example. You've got REITs that are focused on, you know, single family homes in Detroit, for example. There are so many different REITs all over the place. Then on top of that, one level on top of that, there is a REIT ETF, which is what I like to focus on. Because now the REIT ETF is what, what their job is. It's like a double layer of nerds, right? So what happens is, is that the bottom layer of nerds, they're property managers, and they're the ones going out there doing all the work, right? And then the nerds that I directly employ, which is the REIT ETFs, their job is to watch the other nerds to make sure which ones are making the most amount of money. So now they're taking my, I invest in the REIT ETF. So now I've got the super nerds watching the normal nerds and the super nerds job is to make sure that the normal nerds are making the most amount of money out of their portfolio. And then they're going to allocate that ETF's resources to make sure that the normal nerds are making the most amount of return. And for that, I pay a 0.12% a year fee. What type of other property portfolio do you want? You know, and I can manage it from here. 
From your phone? From my phone, from my phone. You know, and this year, we've, the year to date return on the REIT ETF we use is 27.88%. It's got a 3.29% net dividend yield every single year. And I'm using my cash flow strategies to make an extra 12% a year on my holding. So it's like, why do I want to do anything else? What is that cash flow strategy that, that generates 12% more? I'm curious to hear about that. Yeah. So we use, we use a tool in investing called options. Now, when most people hear options, what they think is, oh my God, not options. I'm going to lose all my freaking money. Right. But the problem is, is that options have been taught. And when I was taught options by people that were wealthy and that knew how to use options, they said, you can't trade these things. You cannot, options are not for trading. And that's how they're taught to most normal people. And those are, that's how they go and lose money. But options are designed by the elite when the markets were created to allow them to allow normal people, i.e. the traders, to generate volatility in the market and gamble on what they think is going to happen to the price of a particular stock. Now, the crazy part about it is, is that the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, which is the premier clearinghouse for all options, says that 90% of the time, the speculator, the one that's gambling, loses money. Which means 90% of the time, if you're standing there on the side of the elite, which is what they've been doing for so long, you're winning anyway. And then on top of that, we have particular rules of how to watch the market to understand when to place these options to further increase the probability of you winning. That's really interesting. And you basically do all that when it comes to real estate, to securities, to basically all types. You can, you can basically implement this strategy over all types of investment vehicles, right? Yes, you, you, you could, but there requires, you know, there's some adjustments that you got to make with every particular asset class. The only ones I've focused on in my 16 years, I can't remember how long I've been doing this now, that I focused on are real estate, the US stock market as an overall investment via an index fund and gold and silver. Well, Minesh, let's move to the process. And I know that this is something that probably a lot of listeners would love to hear about. And this is the no money down, you know, the process of purchasing real estate with no money down. Can you tell us more about how this process works? Well, that process, when I was doing no money down deals, it was so easy to do no money down that you would just go and, I mean, I remember walking into a valuer's office with a, you know, a building that we were trying to sell. And he would say, okay, what valuation do you want on this? And without looking at the property, the report would be written for the number that came out of my mouth or one of my team members' mouths. And so what we were doing with No Money Down was very simple. We were raising the, you know, the property valuations were being raised. And then the mortgage company was accepting that report because it was their valuer that was doing it. And then we would borrow 90% on that and we weren't paying that amount for the property. So in the end, we were walking away with the property plus you know, a little bit of a cash back as well. So my first deal that I did at 18, I put literally 1,500 pounds, there's three of them down to reserve the property. And after that, I walked away with a quarter of a million pounds of equity and a 68,000 pound cash back on the day of completion. That's amazing, Minish. I don't think that's going to work in the U.S. and it's probably not going to work it's in the U.K. Work, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, no, this was many, many years ago. That's yeah. not, that, that doesn't work now. Yeah, I'm so glad it doesn't work now. I'm very, very 
glad it doesn't work now. That's one thing, you know, as cool as it sounds to everyone, I'm very, very glad that it doesn't work now. And that's because, you know, my focus changed from how the hell do I hustle the system to how do people actually grow their investments over a long period of time? And when you've got that loan to value sitting on your portfolio, you're not going to grow your, grow your wealth because one incident like 2008, for example, is going to wipe away your entire portfolio because you have no cash flow management strategy. And so yeah. one of the things that we teach people in our, in our training is you do not use leverage, zero leverage whatsoever. Zero leverage? Yeah, zero leverage whatsoever. So what are the benefits of using zero leverage versus, you know, 65% loan to value, 50% loan to value? I mean, that's not risky. 65%, 70% loan to value on physical real estate, i.e. what you're doing and what I used to do. Absolutely fine. Because I don't think in most scenarios, properties, especially in prime markets, drop more than 30 to 35% anyway, when there's a crash. That's a completely different situation. When you're Using a stock portfolio, the difference is, is that a property portfolio is valued when you want to value it. A stock portfolio is valued mark to market, which means every second of every day while the market is open, it's changing the valuation of your portfolio, which is why you see the value go up and down on a daily basis. The problem with that is that your valuation, or rather your leverage, is adjusted based on the valuation moment to moment. And so with a property portfolio, I know a lot of people, including me, where once the property prices started going down in 2008, we just sort of left it alone, right? And in two years, it was back to normal. But with the stock market, you wouldn't have been able to do that. So if you're in the hole, you know it because you're going to get a margin call at some point. And that is the key. You know, that's the one advantage that physical real estate has over everything in the sense that you're not getting it valued every single day or you know, every single minute, and your financing is not readjusted every single second, unless you're obviously using a commercial loan, right? So if you're doing residential, then, then that's an advantage that you have. So there is an advantage and a disadvantage, but when I'm looking at an equities-driven portfolio, because that's what this is, even though I'm buying gold and silver, I'm using equities to do it. Even though I'm buying real estate, I'm using equities to do it it's still you need to avoid that leverage because when that market corrects, when that market crashes, it always overshoots and you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you're forced to sell. My dad always taught me time in the market is more important than timing the market. And so for me, it's, you know, after 2008 and seeing how many people lost money in 2008, simply because they couldn't control what was happening in the market. Nobody could. And as a result, they were being called on their margin and on their portfolios. I just stay away from margin 100%. And you don't need it. You don't need the stress of margin. You're going to make a fantastic return. You know, the best investors in the world aim for 16 to 20% a year. So anyone who's trying to aim for, you know, a 50%, 100%, a 300% increase in their wealth has got their head firmly stuck because it's never going to work long term. You are going to get caught out and then you're going to lose everything. Yeah. Well, Minesh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your insights. I definitely learned a lot and I hope, you know, and I know that the listeners did as well. So we're at the, you know, we arrived to the lightning round questions. Are you ready? No, but go on, hit me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Minesh, what's your favorite hobby? Smoking cigars. Cuban cigars. Smoking Cuban cigars. All right. What's the one thing people don't know about you? That I love and love and love, like love rap music, especially Jay-Z. 
Jay-Z, all right, so you should uh, come to LA then. I do like Sinatra too. Don't get me wrong. I like Sinatra, I like Luther Vandross, I like all of it, but I, I love rap music. I love Jay-Z. All right. What do you wish you had known when you started out? That you just got to get with people that are doing it already. You can't waste your time looking for people that look like they're doing it. You have to get with people that are doing it. That was one of the blessings that I had very, very quickly in my journey. And I feel so. I feel sorry for people that have, you know, spent 10 years going to trainings and seminars and things like that and are still going to trainings and seminars. You should not be going to trainings and seminars because you find them entertaining. You should be going there with a goal and to find someone that you can work with. It's the same thing in what, you know, what we do. If somebody wants to do single family homes and they've got other things that they're thinking about, instead of screwing around with trying to ruin their life by spending the eight hours that they've got to spend with their children, they need to find someone like you, for example, that's doing it to work with you and partner with you to get that work, right? They'll have a much better quality of life and they'll get the result. And they'll actually get the result rather than, you know. But yeah, people don't do that for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, listen, it's very easy to get distracted and there's so many shiny, it's, I think, the shiny object syndrome. I mean, you see all kinds of nice programs. They're very well marketed, but you got to make sure. I think it's crucial to get educated, but make sure that on the other side, there's someone who knows to guide you, who, who is experienced, who can guide you through the process, who can make you transition from a dreamer to an investor, someone who is actually doing things. You're very, very right on that. I think the problem is, is that we all look for coaches rather than partners. You know, that's why one of the things that we do is we have a plan with our any of our programs, which is called Results First, right? And it's very simple. Until you make $50,000 in clear profit working with us on the program that you've bought, you withhold 60% of our fee from us until that point. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So Interesting. I think having a partnership is very important. Interesting. All right. So next question, what is your number one advice to a real estate investor who wants to scale their business? I would listen to people that are actually doing it. I mean, I'm not in physical real estate right now, right? I use REITs. So that's a way of, of doing it. But I'm assuming that the question that you're asking is someone that's actually going and negotiating and buying physical units, how to scale that. And, you know, the only piece of advice I can give you based on what I used to do and based on what the people that I know do, but bear in mind, I used to do this many years ago. Now I travel with my iPhone and my iPhone doesn't work for me. But what I would absolutely do is think about leverage. So when I started negotiating deals, the reason why all the people that my dad was working with lost their jobs very, very quickly, because as soon as I started negotiating, because I didn't have fear to go to a developer and say, I don't want five units, I want 25, right? I don't, I want 25 units, I don't, I don't want five, and then figure it out afterwards. I think leverage, think bigger. Most people are terrified of thinking bigger. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. As you know, I watch one of your videos on underwriting, right? And if you have a deal that works in any scenario, even when you're looking at a 0% growth on cash flow, right? That was the example that you used in your video. If you're using that, if you've got a deal that works, the numbers work, the money will chase that deal, right? So what most people are trying to do and why they get stuck is that they look for bad deals and then they try and make it work because they're desperate to do the deal. Right? Oh, I see it all the time. I see it all too many times. Yeah. Too many times, so unfortunately. Get over that, if you can get over that, then everything starts working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Minesh, where can our listeners find you? 
You can't. I'm not on social media. I don't believe in the dopamine trap. I don't believe in the way that social media is is draining our brains into zombies. And so yet you you're going to be there with, on this podcast, but go, go on. No, no, I'm absolutely, I'm up for podcasts. I think podcasts and YouTube, <laughs> YouTube channels, I think all of that is absolutely fantastic. I don't believe in Facebook. I don't believe in Instagram. Listen, at the end of the day, whatever I post is not going to help anyone. What's going to help someone is when they go, this guy makes sense and I want to work with him. And then we form into a partnership under our program. So you can't find me, but what you can do is go attend the free trainings that I put out and the links are going to be where your podcast is. But you can't find me on social media. I've got too many Cuban cigars to smoke. I don't have time to keep posting on social media. I don't have time for that. Life is about living, not living on the phone. All right. Well, you should hire a team to do that for you. But Minesh, this is all the time that we have. Thank you so much. We're going to post on the show notes. We're going to post the links so you can reach out to Minesh and his team in between cigars so he can guide you so you can, you know, Sorry to interrupt you there, but not, not in between cigars. The team is perfectly set up to help everyone that needs helping at all times of the day. We take care of all, all of our clients. I'm not smoking cigars while our clients are asking for help. I, get, I promise you that the team and the structure is set up in a way, no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm sleeping, you'll get the help that you need. All right. Perfect. Well, you got that. All right. Thank you, Minesh, so much. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you so much. I love your energy. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.